Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Welcome back. Today's guest, Carlin Clayton, has over two decades of experience in learning and development, supporting technology organizations and cybersecurity in particular. Along with her professional work experience, Carlin also has her master's in workplace learning and performance, and she holds several professional certifications that helped her level up her skill sets. Carlin, we're so excited to have you and to learn from you today. Let's go ahead and get started. Would you mind uh, just giving a quick intro on your background? Sure. Um, so thank you, Erica and Jax, for having me today. It's, um, it's, it's really great. So where did I start? I started out as an elementary school teacher. So I got my emergency certification. I didn't even go to school for teaching, but I needed a job and I had a Spanish degree and an English degree. And I, I just started teaching after about five years, I realized I didn't enjoy the, the classroom, but I did enjoy that I was designing curriculum for the district. I did enjoy that I was working on a mentor teacher program. And so all of a sudden these things that I was doing that I enjoyed, it made me realize that I enjoy teaching adults and that it wasn't children for me. And so I kind of happened by accident into a job uh, when instructional design was really new, when e-learning was really new. And it was um, the company out of Boulder and we were just developing e-learning courses for Skillsoft. And, and then we started building internal uh, products and that was really fun. We, we built our own LMS and we built our own um, uh, custom course builder. And I was the person who helped write those requirements. And I worked with the programmers and then I was the person who went out and helped sell. And then I was the person who provided support. And so that technology piece of it just began to feel really comfortable. And it's like, mm, I need to stay in this space. And you know, eventually worked um, into a, a boutique e-learning firm. And that was, again, great working with programmers and graphic designers and really seeing like the max that you could do with e-learning. And that was a really fun time. After that, shifted into more of a corporate environment, um, went, for a, uh, went to work for a healthcare technology organization, started off in product development, product education, and again, was in more of the, the technical side of it, and then moved into, moved into HR, got my master's in HR um, and organization development, and then, um, and then so the shift into cyber was really natural because I'm like, oh, I know the tech space. And so, yes, was there, were there things I had to learn and learn the certifications? Absolutely. But I had that comfort with technology and I knew how to speak to technology employees and leaders. And so it all it all has been very organic. I didn't plan it that way, but it happened very naturally. That's funny. That's actually what I was writing down over here. I was like, technology was an organic organic growth for you because it did. It sounded very natural for you. It was just a very easy progression. Mm -hmm. And your background is very, it wasn't, it was kind of, it seems like kind of all over the place, but mm -hmm. still within the technology space, being that you started in a schooling in like, um, what did you say? It was middle school. Was it middle school? Yeah, yeah it was elementary. And, elementary. Um, yep. 
Yeah. So you went from elementary, then to healthcare, then to HR. And I like how you said it was kind of just a natural progression for you because you had this really baseline understanding of technology. Mm-hmm. And something we really like to do on this show is to demystify the space that somebody is working in. So it would be really curious being in this space that you've been in, what are some of the biggest challenges you and your teams have faced in supporting technology organizations, specifically on the learning and the the development side of the house? Sure. I think the first thing that has always been a challenge in the technology space is that things change so fast. So, um, you know, whereas I worked for this one e-learning shop and we were like, we were building you know, submarine sandwich um, animated programs and spending all this time. It's like you can't you can't spend that kind of time developing these deep tech, you know, these deeply intricate um, technology programs because the technology is going to change or maybe it's about a product, but then the product name changes six months later or then the audience changes. And so, you know, you you have to balance what the right amount of effort is to put into the build of a program with what is the shelf life really? So is this going to last yeah. six months? Is it 12 months or is it more than that? And then I think the other thing is, you know, we say technology, that's a big bucket. Like cyber is a big bucket. Well, there's engineers, there's help desk, there are programmers, there are uh, sales engineers. There's all these different slices of technology. And so you can't just say, well, this is the technology vendor that I really like to use. Mm, is it? <laughs> or is it really only, is it really only meeting the needs of the cloud team? Or is it really only meeting the needs of the, you know, of the software engineers. And so you have to have multiple solutions in place. And, and sometimes it's hard to like, to keep up with all of that. So a really quick follow on question before I pass it over to Erica, I was really curious because you said something that kind of just um, hit me was how it's constantly changing. And I'm curious, just really quickly, high level thoughts on what are your thoughts on, you know, we're in this AI stage right now. AI is really taking over. It's doing a lot of shifting. I see it probably coming into this space of learning and development. How do you see the impacts of AI within the next six months? Um, So AI is going to disrupt L&D in the story. You know, I think initially it's going to be more simple and it's going to be, oh, well, they can just, you know, AI can just crank out a job aid for this kind of thing. And I think just spitting out some basic training, I think initially is going to be where it's headed. I think in the future where it's going to head, it's going to learn internal things. It's going to learn what are people searching for most often? What are people wanting to know? So it is going to learn internal workflows. And so that's, and that's traditionally been the L&D space. Well, yeah, sure. You know how to do X, but, but I know how to do it at this company and I can help you do it at this company. And so I think that L&D practitioners are really going to have to understand how to leverage AI for the basic stuff and then understand how to put it into the broader framework of the organization. Well said. Yeah, I I think that'll be something to watch, you know, as we continue, Um, because I mean, everything that you just said, I, I definitely recall just even during learning framework basics, oh, I get, I get used to something and then learning, hey, a change is coming and it's going to disrupt the way that you knew how these controls all were laid out and the way that you tested certain things is no longer applicable or the technology that you thought that you were testing on-prem is no longer a thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, just that ever-changing landscape is so hard, I think, to keep up with. So I see that as such a huge like challenge, not just for L&D, but for like managers and for employees. I mean, it's like this full cycle issue that we're always trying to get ahead of. Um, So I'm going to ask a question that's kind of like a peek behind the curtains type question. So um, 
I see and I hear people in the space that tell me, oh, my organization is just handing out memberships to, um, you know, different online courses and programs, and that's what they're doing, right? That is their L&D. They're not really investing time into building their own programs. They're just saying, you know what? You're an employee. We've given you this uh, this thing. We're paying for it. It's up to you to kind of manage your own uh, program and your learning path. And so my question is really, you know, from a organ an organization perspective, how does one like make the decision on where to invest these different types of budgets and time? And like, how does that all kind of work, Carlin? Like, is that, you know, just from a budgetary perspective, how do, how do those decisions get made? That's a great question. So it's not easy. <laughs> um, like, you know, coming up with any budget is not easy. I think where where you need to outsource and look at subscription-based services is really technical content. You know, to have an, an internal L&D team that would know how to, hey, we're going to build a new course on Python. <laughs> uh, that that kind of deep expertise, I think, is not a valuable spend on the L&D side. I think that is much better spent externally. And you can say, well, this, you know, this team needs this vendor and these three teams need this other vendor. And you can kind of meet those those technology needs, I think, by outsourcing. And people need to know what to do. <laughs> they need to know what skills they need to do better in their job. And that's where an L&D team can really come into play. So, hey, great, we have cataloged this set of 15 courses that if you want to be, if you want to kind of go into this area over here in the organization, you don't have to take all 15 in any order. These are the ones that are going to get you the skills that you need. And what we're going to start seeing, I think, in the um, and the HR platform space is more and more HR platforms are cataloging skills and then aligning it with learning. And I think that that's going to help to build these career paths. And I think that the really, really big HR system companies, I think that they're going to get too big. And I think it's going to be more of these smaller add-on um, software platforms that are going to help the skill building, help build these paths so people know what to do. Because I think, Erica, there's a balance. I think people should take ownership of their career development. I don't think you should spoon feed anybody anything. And especially if you're, you know, two, three, four, five, even 10 years early into your career, you do need some guidance. And so finding, finding out how to, how to guide people in the right way and give them some ownership, I think is an interesting balance. Coming off mute over here. So quick question um, before I jump into the other question. Do you think that leaders are born or can be like created or trained? <laughs> I'm just curious. So many conversations on this topic. Um, I do think that certain people have some natural tendencies. I think certain people like naturally are more comfortable in front of a large group, where they are naturally naturally have some tendencies, and everyone has the potential and the opportunity to grow given the right expectations, the right targets, the right support. So I think that even people who believe that they may not be leaders, I think they can. And also, like, what is a leader? Does a leader mean that you are leading an organization at the CEO level? Or does it maybe mean you're leading a small team? Does it maybe mean that you are a technology leader in your area? And that maybe you don't have direct reports, but you really are the technology leader there and people come to you mm -hmm. uh, for support and for answers. So I think there are different kind of leaders. And so are leaders born or are they made? I think, I think there's a little bit of being born, but I think that I would like to say that the make part is the more fun part. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I've always been a, a believer on they can be made because if you have the right mentors, the individual has to want it and desire it, obviously. But I believe with the right desire, anything can be taught. That's mm -hmm. I might I mean, you might have a little bit more challenge than other people. Like you said, certain people, I think, are natural at it and they just have it innately within them. But mm -hmm. I think they can all be developed. So within the space, this is a really fascinating space, the learning and development, because it's really helping organizations and individuals really grow together. And I'm curious from your experience um, leading teams in leadership roles and also across teaming with other high performing teams, mm -hmm. what are some of the most valuable skills that you've seen of other leaders in the space? Is it, you know, is it really heavy on soft skills? Is it communication skills, their ability to really communicate? Um, maybe it's storytelling, being able to, because I think storytelling is important to get teams on board to understand what is your vision. But right. what would you see as the most valuable skill? Number one is the ability to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I see a lot of individual uh, people who go, to, go through coaching and you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of my fellow coaching practitioners and they're like, people come to us because they have relationship problems. <laughs> so understanding how to build cross-functional relationships that are two-way, that are, I'm here, I'm going to listen to you and I respect where you're coming from. And I'm also confident in sharing with you what I know and, and having that reciprocity, building those relationships is, I think is absolutely number one. And, you know, beyond that, I think, People underestimate the value of having a difficult conversation or giving um, tough feedback. You know, you see, you see teams where everyone maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're afraid to share their feedback, and so they kind of get into this this place where they can't make a decision because everyone's afraid to say the you know say the hard thing. So, or maybe it's more at the senior leader level level where there's infighting because people you know well I want this thing and I want this thing but nobody knows how to have a respectful back and forth conversation and so I think that getting really comfortable being in that uncomfortable space when it's when it's a challenge whether it's an organizational challenge or interpersonal challenge whatever it might be I think to me if you can develop that skill that is going to take you places I think that's a great answer. And I, I love the uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable statement because I just feel like that is that's where you do your most growth, like your biggest mm -hmm. chunk of growth. Like that's where that comes is when you're not, you know, the most comfortable person, maybe leading a topic that you're not very well versed in or maybe it's a new technology or maybe you're in a room full of people that you don't know talking about something that may be controversial or maybe people are going to have different opinions or questions about. But like putting yourself out there, maybe, you know, Carlin, like your point about when I, when I think about building the relationships, the thing that comes to mind is also trust. Yes. It's like this establishment of trust and respect, because I don't think that you have one without the other. Right. And so if you are showing somebody that you're actively listening, that you are somebody that is, um, you know, a go-to person, I think you're building these like organic bridges where you have go-tos across the organization. Um, and if you learn to do that really, really well, like your span just becomes larger. Yeah. And, and that's when, you know, things like influence can become possible and where, you know, you, you are a, tr a safe space for people that maybe don't feel as comfortable having the voice. Um, so I think, you know, it ties in kind of jacks to your question about like the 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 leaders being born it's like the nature versus nurture right there's so many different things that 
we can work on developing. Um, but it seems like, yeah, establishing a solid foundation is really built on just, you know, building the relationships, being a good communicator, actively listening, and then um, sharing the feedback, I think is super, super important because some of, I mean, some of those toughest conversations build the strongest relationships, yes. I feel like. Well, and when have you ever received a piece of feedback that was going to help you improve, help you do something in a better way that you didn't appreciate? We, we always are so concerned about giving people some, you know, some feedback that, that you know, might make them uncomfortable. And every time we receive it ourselves, we're appreciative as long as it's delivered in a respectful and constructive way, right? So why would we not do someone else that favor that we ourselves would appreciate? Absolutely. Even the even the good stuff, right? I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I hear so many constructive pieces of feedback, but I don't hear the same amount of the good ones. And that's something that I'm actively always trying to work against and like work towards a goal of like, hey, let's just all get in a habit habit of also saying like, hey, great job responding to the client's questions today. Right. Or, hey, that email was super polished, couldn't have said it better myself. Mm -hmm. um, little things like that. But yeah, to your point, I mean, when I'm not receiving feedback, when I'm just hearing like everything's good, nothing mm -hmm. to change, I'm kind of like, I'm hungry for more. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot since I know a lot of our listeners um, are actively, you know, reaching out to Jackson and I about transitioning to the cyberspace or looking for, you know, what they can do in the cyberspace. Yeah. Um, they're looking for different roles or sometimes they're even just shooting us like their resumes and they're asking, how do I better present myself? So I'm kind of trying to understand from your perspective, you know, having serviced so many different areas of this industry, um, how can individuals that are looking to transition, whether it be technology or cybersecurity, how can they leverage some of the skill sets that they may not realize are so transferable and mm -hmm. highlight those in a way that helps them land the job that they want? Yep. So I guess I'll, I'll tell it, give you a little example. So I was just coaching an individual and he's trying to get into cyber and he went through a boot camp and he, he doesn't have a college degree. He's you know, just out of high school, went to this boot camp. He's like, well, what do I do now? He's like, can you just look at my resume? I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. And I, I went through his resume and I looked and he had worked for some retail company and he had, he had revamped their internal like timekeeping and scheduling system and, and helped them through the implementation of some sort of like new way of doing it. And he had been sort of the back end supportive. I, I said, you have like three words about this this <laughs> like shows somebody that you really own something on the technology side because you don't have a lot of skills that you're able to bring to the table right now you don't have a lot of experience and so we really beefed up that piece for him um i think that you know when i when i talk to people who are looking to get into cyber the first thing i do is i send them to the paul jeremy security or security certification roadmap site and i'll i'll i'll, I'll send you guys that link and Cyber is so many things. And so I think once you begin to explore like the certifications and the different jobs, you can begin to see what skills you might have, what experience you might have that are transferable that maybe you didn't think about before. Because, you know, again, we talked earlier, that big bucket is not just cyber, right? There's so, so many facets. Another great place to do a little bit of research is on the uh, CISA.gov site and go to the NICE framework. And the NICE framework, again, shows like all these different kinds of ways that you can be involved in cyber. And again, it can relate back to anything that you have done. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really helpful. 
And I would love if you did share that because we can definitely, any of our listeners, you'll see it in the show notes. So definitely uh, check that all of that information that you provided out. Also, on top of that, if somebody's listening to the show and they want to be able to reach out to you and ask you questions, what would be the best way for them to be able to contact you? Um, I'm happy to uh, to work over LinkedIn. You know, find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message. I'm super responsive, and you know, I help a lot of people with their resumes. I help a lot of people just talk through just talk through what a transition might look like um, or maybe you know maybe you're a leader and you want to like you know kind of like level up and go up so I think LinkedIn would be a really great place to start all right so it's Carlin Clayton find her on LinkedIn and thank you to all of our listeners and if you're watching us on YouTube thank you so much make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this show and we will be airing episodes every other week so we'll see you in two weeks thanks again Carlin Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Cyber Chicks Podcast with Erica and Jax. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.